The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. And uh, Orbit of the Year in review, we look back today at our financials, our economic review. And our special guest this morning, he's been with us on numerous occasions, joins us again as consultant business editor Gajan Mija, business columnist and editor, former co-host of Money Matters. And of course, uh, he runs half our current affairs business program on CNC3. Let's welcome back to our program, Anthony Wilson. Good morning to you. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Morning. Nice to have morning, you with Satish. us. Morning, Morning. Uh, Freedom 106.5 listeners. It's nice to have you with us here this morning as we look back. Sometimes looking back gives you a clearer perspective Absolutely. of what you can you can expect in the future. When we speak economy and economics, looking back takes you into 2022. Many people may not think of it that way, but the financial year for the country starts in October mm -hmm. and it runs until the October of the next year. So when you do a, a review of the, of the finances of the country for a year, you can't help but go back to when the last budget was presented and all that transpired in between. So let's base our discussion, let's start our discussion going back to the budget presented by our finance minister at the beginning of the financial year and some of what he expected us to see and some of what we did see or did not see in 2022-2023. At the beginning of the 2023 financial year or the 2024 financial year? The 2020 um for financial year okay right so so the minister of finance uh, <clears throat> in his budget presentation for the 2024 fiscal year which begins october 1st 2023 mm -hmm. and ends september 30th 2024 um basically i would say that that was a continuation of previous budgets uh, the minister from memory expected uh, to collect uh, 50, 53 billion um, and expected to spend maybe 56 billion, um, leaving a, a, a fiscal deficit of one and a half percent thereabouts. Uh, <clears throat> I would I would say that as a, a minister of finance, um, Mr. Imbert is very conscious of the debt that Trinidad uh, and Tobago has the potential to build up. So therefore, he is conscious of the need to ke keep the fiscal deficit less than three percent, um, and that is very important because in 2021. And 2022, the fiscal deficit would have ballooned as a result of the spending uh, by the government to mitigate the impact of, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Hmm. So um, <clears throat> uh, the expectation is that we'll have a moderate deficit for 2024. Um, and I guess all bets are off for the uh, uh, fiscal period 2025, yeah. because Election. that would be a, a budget year. Yeah. You know, one, one of the interesting things, when we speak of Colin Member, we need to remember that he's probably the first finance minister 
that we've had in a pretty long time that has been in charge of the country's finances and will be for a 10-year period. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that's instructive in any discussion that you need to have yes. about the economy because Colin Member has finance, but while he will carry out the government's mandate and it's not his budget alone, he will have other influences, he's been in charge of our country's e economy um, and, and, and rightfully so as Minister of Finance for, for, for a decade. Yeah. Um, well, well, actually, um, at this point, it would be for eight years. Eight years, be, but, but yeah. we are expecting that he, he continue. Yes, we, yes, So, yes, in yes. 2025. Um, it, it's interesting, but the period in which uh, Minister Imbert has been in charge of the economy has been a period, generally, of low or no growth. Um, uh, the, the current administration came into office in September 2015, which was a period in which our energy export prices were in decline. <clears throat> and not only were our energy export prices in decline, but our production of natural gas in particular was in decline. Um, and therefore, the government's revenue, which is... Not, not a majority, but a large part of the government's revenue is derived from uh, taxes and other collectibles on um, liquefied natural gas and the petrochemicals produced uh, at Point Lisas. Um, the revenue was in decline, mm -hmm. and therefore the government had to uh, cut its cloth to fit its suit, or cut its suit to fit its cloth. In other words, the government... Um, faced with a decline in revenue was required to reduce the expenditure of the entire government and uh, <clears throat> the uh, fiscal 2020 fiscal 2015 uh, up to the point when the, the administration changed um, which was three weeks from the end of the fiscal period mm -hmm. In other words, the election was September 7th. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the 2015 fiscal period would have ended September 30th. So that 2015 period was uh, a high point of revenue. I think, I think the previous administra administration spent uh, $62 billion in the 2015 period, 2015 fiscal year. Um, but thereafter, revenues declined, and therefore the government's uh, expenditure had to decline um, because the Minister of Finance is very conscious that if the fiscal deficit gets too large, the country's uh, debt is going to increase. And uh, in my view, the very, very worst thing for an economy like ours is for our uh, debt, especially our, our external debt, to get out of control. Because when the debt gets out of control um, and the country cannot service that debt, uh, that is the, the pathway to the International Monetary Fund. And I think both the Minister of Finance and the Prime Minister have said that that is not a path that the government wants to walk down. It's when when you have these discussions sometimes 
the, the, the majority of the population does not care to be involved. Many times because they don't understand all these things about fiscal policy and this and that and the next, people just, if you ask people, they say, well, what I'm concerned about is my quality of life mm-hmm. um, and, and my expenses, the cost of living, mm-hmm. which is when I go in the grocery and I go in the gas station and all these things. That's what people associate with and that's, yes. you, you can't hold it against no. them. No. For, for, for thinking about the things that matter to them the most. Yes. Um, and, and you cannot deny that in 2015, Colin Member took the reins of the Ministry of Finance at possibly the worst possible time. Yes. Um, and a couple years subsequent to 2015, things were not good at all. Right. We had to go on a bond issue across the world to mm-hmm. get money. And, and then, then we had what the Minister of Finance described as a life jacket with the Ukraine war. Mm-hmm. That, that we didn't even think we would ever make at that point in time. And it came in the middle of what what many were describing as the demise of the economy because of what was going on with oil and gas. Uh, since then, uh, the Minister of Finance has said that, well, you know, things are looking up. The deficit has gone down. But to, 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 the, to the people listening in to us, and as somebody who is actively involved in monitoring all of these things, there are the... Christmas shopping this year was described as abysmal by some business sectors. Mm-hmm. One businessman, suge- a, a chamber um, head actually, suggested that well, that's because people think things going to get real bad next year. We have the property tax on the horizon. People aren't too sure what's going to happen with their income. Some businesses close up shop because they couldn't, they couldn't survive and all of these things. So, two questions. Is the quality of life better? Has it been maintained? Has it declined? Or, and, and on top of that, what can people realistically expect next year? Because mo- property tax has been, a, that discussion has been around for the greater part of 12, 13, 14 yes. years. And people still aren't clearer in their minds as to how this thing is going to work. There's a lot of fear-mongering taking place. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of misinformation in the public domain. People don't have the information they need. So what I want to get from you now is these two questions that need to be answered by our citizens. Is my quality of life better now? And what can I realistically expect 2024 to bring? Um, I want to answer the second question first. Because in my view, for many, many people across this country, um, the quality of the standard of living in 2024 is not, is not going to be as good as, good as it was in 2023 and i say that because uh, a large percentage of this um, of the working people in this country uh, own their own homes so not on not only are they going to be required to pay uh, property tax um, and the minister of finance has been quite good in giving details of how to work out how much property tax you're going to be required to pay. Um, So the property tax is going to be a reality in 2024. Electricity rates have gone up, or sorry, electricity rates are likely to go up if the cabinet uh, accepts the recommendation of the Regulated Industries Commission Mm that uh, electricity rates should increase 
for residential customers, commercial customers, and industrial customers for the first time in, in more than a decade. Uh, so you're getting property tax, uh, higher electricity rate, and there's a third one, which is that uh, home insurance, house insurance uh, premiums have gone up in 2023, and I suspect that they are, uh, they're going to continue going up, uh, if not uh, stabilize, given the increase in 2023. Mm. Um, homeowners will only know if they're going to be faced with higher premiums in 2024 when they get their notices from the insurance companies. So, so I would say that there, there, there are these three factors that are going to impact on the standard of living of especially homeowners. Uh, the imposition of the property tax, higher home insurance uh, premiums, and high electricity rates. So those three factors are going to reduce the disposable income that is available to thousands of homeowners across this country. Um, I suspect those three issues combined are also going to drive up uh, rental costs mm -hmm. in this country, which is going to impact on another section of the economy, a section of the population who do not own their own homes, but who depend on uh, renting uh, to have a roof over their head. So likely to be an increase in rents given the increase in property tax uh home insurance uh, home insurance premiums and electricity rates um <clears throat> so I, 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 I'm, I'm putting it on the table and i would like to hear some of your uh, mm -hmm. listeners that the quality of life for thousands of people in this country in 2024 is not going to be as good as in 2023 because of the three factors I've outlined. Well, there's 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 another one, um, and even even though businesses will tell you contrary, I don't think that businesses are going to absorb this increase in electricity rates because it's going to. I mean, the, the average household your your bill will go up by three, four, or four hundred, depending on how you use electricity. But for businesses, that's a significant cost. Mm -hmm. um, we've we spoke to um, a Vivek or. Uh, uh, um, Valmiki Arjun out of UE and a couple others and they've 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 gone into great detail to explain how much of an increase it's going to be for businesses. Some of who use electricity twenty four seven for their manufacturing plants and all it's significant. And you you're naive if you think that businesses go shoulder all of those costs on top of all the other taxes that they had to pay and all of that kind of thing. So the cost of living, the cost of, of manufactured goods and food and everything else is going to go up as well. So from what, you said, what you've said to us, property tax, TNTech rates, house insurance now coupled with rent is probably going to go up mm -hmm. and you're going to have as well, on top of all of that, you have to pay more for food and for all these other things. Um, people are justified, well, uh, or maybe I should ask the question, are people justified in holding on to those purse strings as tightly as they did for Christmas? Because the business community is lamenting that that's one of the reasons why people are spending because of the uncertainties that exist. Yes. Um, I think 
just just to go back to the point of the Christmas shopping, it, it seems to me that there is a, a bifurcation between uh, Port of Spain and San Fernando because um, from the reports that I've read, uh, the businesses in San Fernando seem to have um, been quite satisfied with their sales over the Christmas period. Um, businesses in Port of Spain, uh, not so much, um, which tells you that the uh, the corporation, uh, the regional corporation or the borough council in San Fernando did certain things that encouraged people to shop in uh, southern capital, southern city. Hmm. Maybe the, the uh, regional corporation in Port of Spain did not do those things. What We, we spoke to people, uh, we spoke to the San Fernando chamber, that's Kiran Singh, and, and we spoke to a police officer who was in charge. And, and the message that they sent not just on the air, but they've been sending it on social media and everywhere else, is that San Fernando is the safest place to shop. Is that the, there is no, the crime is as limited as you can get it, and they were boasting that the crime levels were so low. I, I think, to me, that resonated with people. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's probably one of the driving factors for people going to San Fernando yeah. because they thought it was a safe environment, and it proved to be a safe environment. Crime in Puerto Spain has been a debilitating element of business for a long period of time. People yeah. just, I mean, even myself. And, and, and I ain't saying this to color the discussion, but it's a fact. I, I do not like to walk into Puerto Spain. Yeah. And, and Puerto Spain has not been able to deal with it. I mean, um, Doma has been lamenting for the longest while that like crime is a factor that they need to take into consideration. But it doesn't seem as though anything is being done. At least the public don't think so. Yeah, I, I think the remedy for that... Uh, for this situation in Port of Spain is that there needs to be more police patrols. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> so not, I would say not only uniform police patrolling the streets of Port of Spain, uh, but also plain clothes police yeah. uh, walking up and down the streets of Port of Spain. Um, I think there's a lot of fair weather, justified or not, of uh, young men who snatch and grab and run away um, with uh, X, Y, or Z possessions. Um, I, I really think uh, police patrols, maybe joint police army patrols, um, is the solution to that yeah. issue. Sure. But I want to come back to a point that you were making earlier which is that uh, businesses, manufacturing businesses, retail businesses are going to pass on the higher costs mm -hmm. of electricity to, to their customers. Um, <clears throat> I would say that that depends on the industry. Mm. Um, if you look at a, a, a supermarket, for example, um, I would say the supermarket industry in this country is intensely competitive. Um, there is one large chain uh, of supermarkets, but there are scores of other uh, single or, or, or small chain supermarkets 
that operate in the country. It, in fact, it might be argued that uh, supermarkets are a growth industry in an economy in which not too much else is growing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of competition in supermarkets. And um, many shoppers have become uh, aware of the need to compare prices in, in, in supermarkets. And therefore, I think any supermarket that passes on the full impact of higher electricity rates is going to be faced with fewer shoppers and shoppers are going to migrate to other supermarkets. Um, <clears throat> for the manufacturing, for the local uh, domestic manufacturing uh, sector, again, the issue of competition is, is going to be uh, very important as to whether they can pass on increased costs. There are some manufacturers for whom uh, passing on uh, uh, all of the increased costs might be possible. Mm -hmm. But there are some others where that is not going to be possible because there's competition in the, in the industry. And this competition is not only uh, from other local producers, but it's also from uh, imported uh, products. Mm -hmm. um, so I would not be as sure as uh, Dr. Arjun is that all of the companies in this country are going to pass on all of the higher yeah. uh, electricity rates to their customers. Yeah. It really depends on the industry and the, the business in that industry. Yeah. There, there are some businesses and some business people that I've spoken to. Um, they too are trying to find creative ways to deal with these things because they understand the burden that is already placed on the shopper. Yeah. And what you're talking about, that competition element, has played uh, a role in keeping some of the increases in check, for, for want of a different term. Because when you have the competition, as they're trying to jostle for people's business, and you can tell that the shopper has become more acutely aware mm. of, of the price increases, because you see people leaving things. I mean, you had um, vendors in, in, in the Northern, um, sorry, in the Namdevco market in Davis saying that people are buying. And that's because people realize to themselves, this thing is too expensive. I just not buying it because I'll do without it. And it's to the detriment of the people who have the goods in their hands. Yeah. So that, that is working in the, in, the, in, the, in the favor of the consumer. As to how much of it we're going to see next year, it's a wait-and-see game. Uh, we need to take a quick message. And for those of you listening into us, uh, you can join our conversation when we get back after this quick message. We are speaking this morning with consultant business editor at Guardian Media, that's Anthony Wilson, talking about the economy. When we get back, obviously, we need to speak about the energy, in the energy sector. Mm -hmm. And some of what we've been seeing... Some of what has transpired with the drag and gas deal, our Minister of Energy and Energy Affairs suggesting to us that's going to bring us a whole lot of benefits. Uh, some other things Kevin Ramnarine has, has been saying as well, that he ain't too sure that we'll be able to, to achieve some of the goals that have been set up before us. We'll discuss that and we'll be taking some of your calls on 627-3223-625-2257. Stay with us. Our special guest this morning, consultant business editor at GML, that's Anthony Wilson. Let's take one or two of your calls quickly. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Satish, our listeners, and Mr. Wilson. 
Mr. Wilson, I have here um, the July 23 economic position by the Central Bank. And now I've worked out the figures of us in a very convoluted manner. What I have tried to establish is the, our national debt. Our national debt, if I use the figures of the, central, the um, central Bank, is about $150 billion, our national, total national debt. That means that we have a, a, every, the debt per capita is about $110,000 on every Trinidadian head, right? The Minister of Finance says we have to borrow money to give them a cash flow, all right? Okay, caller, so, caller, that, Mr. Mr. Wilson. caller, yeah. um, what is the debt to GDP ratio? I didn't see it here, but what, what, there is a convoluted matter. What I'm giving you, sir, is the total national debt of the country. Yeah, but the total uh, national debt is less important than the jet debt to GDP ratio. All right, let me come to this. We are, the poor is going to get poorer. You established that. The poor is going to get poorer. Do you have any idea, sir, about our debt service in Panama, for example, uh, two years ago? We have to borrow money to pay our interest. Mm -hmm. And our and our interest allocation is about eleven billion dollars per annum. Would you like to comment on that, sir? Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> the government does not borrow money to pay interest. The government borrows money because there is a a, a gap between how much it spends and how much it earns. Uh, and so, so if you accept that fact, um, uh, interest payment and principal payment on debt is part of the government's expenditure. Um, so payment of debt, both principal and, and interest, um, may contribute to a deficit, but certainly the government would not, would not borrow money to pay debt. Government would borrow money in order to address the gap between its expenditure and its revenue. Mm -hmm. there, there are some other things that we need to discuss, and it's amazing how quickly the time flew away from us. Um, the energy sector continues to play and will continue to play for the foreseeable future a great role in this country's finances. Regardless of what anybody will tell you about the, the, the fossil fuels and all of those discussions that are taking place on a world scale, for us here at home, um, we are tied to the energy sector. We can't get away from it. Mm -hmm. um, as much as we may talk about diversification and everything else, those are things that take a lot of time to bring you the kind of revenue that you need to sustain yourself, mm -hmm. especially revenues that we make from the energy sector. And the Prime Minister has made that abundantly clear. But um, how are we faring when it comes to our energy sector? Because our, our exploration, our production, and all these things are not necessarily where we want them to be. Um, and the timelines that it take from, from exploring and finding and monetizing and everything else, they take a long period of time. Mm -hmm. the, the, the Minister of Energy and the government boasted recently about the advancements made to the Dragon Gas deal, suggesting that those things are going to bring us the, the rewards that we need at this point in time. What, what, what's your opinion? Um... <clears throat> Despite the fact that uh, the government of Venezuela granted Trinidad, the Trinidad and Tobago government a license to explore the explore and exploit the Dragon Gas Field, which is located in Venezuela's waters, 
I would say that drug and gas is not a certainty. Mm. That there are many issues that have to be worked through before the first uh, gas from the dragon field comes ashore in uh, Trinidad, in Point Lisas and Point Fortin. Um, <clears throat> those issues include that the global multinational, energy multinational Shell, which is the government's partner in the development of the dragon gas field, uh, has to take a, a final investment decision um, on its role in the field, in the development of the field, uh, sometime next year. Uh, Energy Minister Stuart Young at a news conference very recently said there, there is going to be some survey work done on the dragon gas field, after which the Shell is going to take a decision as to whether uh, and, and how much it's going to participate in the dragon gas. But I think even more important than dragon is going to be manatee. Mm. Manatee, of course, is part of the Lauren Manatee gas field, uh, which straddles the Trinidad and Tobago and the Venezuelan maritime boundaries. Lauren is... Sorry, Manatee is the, uh, the the part that is in Trinidad and Tobago waters. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and there's still some negotiations uh, uh, ahead of us with regard to the exploitation of Manatee because there is a, a sense in which Venezuela is willing to allow the exploitation of the 10 trillion cubic feet of natural gas in the Lauren Manatee field by Shell and by Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and if that happens, um, if all of the, the gas in the Lauren Manatee field is open for uh, uh, development by Shell, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and the Venezuelan government, that really changes the picture. Uh, in terms of the availability of gas coming into Trinidad and Tobago in the next three or four years. Mm -hmm. so, so, yes, we need to look at Dragon, but we also need to take a careful look at what's happening with the Manatee gas field as well. And this is directly, all of these things, when it comes to the energy sector, are directly tied to this country's forex and our availability of forex and all these kinds of things, which has proven to be a real challenge for us for for a number of years yeah um and that's that's directly tied as well to the energy sector and all yeah. that has been taking place there so what can we expect when it comes to foreign exchange for the next few years right um i get the sense that the availability of foreign exchange in trinidad and tobago um towards the latter part of 2023 calendar 2023 is as bad as it as it has ever been and that is because according to the central bank uh, the energy companies were not converting as much US dollars into Trinidad and Tobago dollars because uh, some of the energy companies had available to them VAT bonds for the government not um, 
paying VAT in a timely manner. So if you have TT dollar VAT bonds available to energy company A, that company does not have to convert as much US dollars into TT dollars in order to pay its local bills. So, so that is the cause that the central bank has given uh, for the shortage of foreign exchange in the country at this time. Mm. Um, that situation of, of the bad bonds is going to pass, and therefore the expectation is, is that there's going to be an easing of the availability of foreign exchange in 2024, um, but, but not by much. Mm. Um, I, I personally don't think the system of allocation of foreign exchange is the right one. Uh, if you have a situation in which demand for something outstrips the supply of that thing, mm-hmm. um, obviously the, the price has to increase. And uh, if, if, you, if you just consider um, a daily everyday product, if the demand for tomatoes outstrips the supply of tomatoes, as it does in this country every year, uh, de- uh, depending on the season, uh, in other words, in the wet season, in the wet season, uh, price of tomatoes goes up mm-hmm. because demand for tomatoes is greater than the supply of tomatoes. Uh, so. Price is a is a is a means of uh, ensuring that a market adjusts to the difference between demand and supply. Uh, so I personally believe that uh, the same thing holds true for the foreign exchange market. That one of the ways to address the problem is adjust the price and ensure that anybody who wants foreign exchange can get foreign exchange. Yeah. That's we're going to have to leave our conversation here this morning, but I'm sure that um, moving into the new year, we will have further discussions because some of these issues are going to be with us for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So there's no getting away from them. There, there may be developments here or there that can factor into, but it's, it's an important discussion to have. The health of the country's economy is something everyone should be concerned about. Yeah. And the energy sector developments speak directly to the quality of life that we can, well, that that we want, or that we deserve, or that we should be getting in this country, and I, I'm 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 disappointed sometimes that we don't see, far too many of us don't see the correlation yeah. between the energy sector. Uh, and what I would like to make a final point, if I may, yeah. uh, because you mentioned diversification earlier in the discussion, uh, and you also mentioned the fact that we have had one minister of finance for more than eight years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say to you and your listeners that uh, not enough attention has been paid to the diversification of the economy. Mm -hmm. And that if the government had started in 2015, conscious of the need to diversify the Trinidad and Tobago economy, I think we would have been much further along now than than we are. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think 
that is an opportunity lost, but it's never too late to start. Definitely. And those are discussions that we will have as we continue speaking about these very, very important matters. I want to thank you for being with us here this morning and for sharing your insight into some of these things. We barely scratched the surface of all the things that we need to discuss. And you've been listening, ladies and gentlemen, to our special guest here this morning. He's been with us on numerous occasions, and that, of course, is consultant business editor Anthony Wilson. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.